All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a rock. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my prime. First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. DJ Nubus with you, Metal Tavern Radio, the podcast, the Godzilla edition. Welcome back, my wife, Missy. Say hello. Hello. So she's been away for a while on travel, and uh, as of course we talked about, or I talked about in the last couple of podcasts, uh, once you got back, I was going to make sure you saw the movie before we had our little review about it. So it's a little different than my usual podcast where I'm just kind of like plowing through music and talking about the bands. We still got that, of course, but between the segments today, we're going to talk a little bit about the movie itself. Uh, we're both very big Godzilla fans, which I don't think I've ever asked since I've been married to you knowing you. Like, were you a Godzilla fan before you knew me? Yes. Okay. So I, I kind of figured, but I couldn't remember so that just means we're a perfect fit. We are. Even more now. Godzilla Kung Fu. So yeah, we're going to kind of space out how we're going to approach this. Uh, there's a lot to get to. Um, obviously, uh, I've got my own opinions about why there's some backlash for this film versus others. But probably in my 
the segment with the theory on that. But let's start off by what are your thoughts like as far as what you actually liked about the film? I loved how the monsters looked. They really came to life. They looked beautiful. Uh, I love the score. I love how when they were fighting, there were certain songs, how they had the theme music for all of the characters. I love how when they were making the monsters, clearly it's CGI, but you can you can make them a realistic size. I love the old kaiju movies, the old Godzilla movies, the guys in the suits, but you can clearly tell they're guys in suits and that their puppets on strings like you know I think flying that's around one of the most impressive things about this i mean for years cgi can be pretty bad and then there's cgi that's really good and i think now it's just it's getting to the point where it's really pretty good and the fluidity of the creatures how they moved and interacted with one another was like flawless to me i mean you when you think of godzilla you think of the sheer size of him and it you can't really capture that kind of size i know there's some camera tricks that they used to do while the monsters were fighting or you know have tiny buildings that get destroyed but it's really hard to capture you know they call them the titans these giant titans that are you know hidden in the earth and they come out they're they're huge monstrosities and that was amazing when you would see them, you know, in the back shot in the city. Like, you see they're bigger than buildings. You see, you know, one thing that I I absolutely loved was Rodan coming out of the volcano. Hmm. You know, you Mm -hmm. see this giant, you know, monster coming out of a volcano. That's really cool, too, because each creature has certain mannerisms. Mothra had hers, had very bug-like, the sound, everything. And Rodan, like you said, coming out of the volcano was kind of funny. You don't think of it at the time, but he has that very bird-like attitude. Like when they were flying by in jets or when he saw the people in the city, he like, Rrr! you know, he had that like bird-like look. Well, Rodan was actually made, um, created um, as a... Godzilla was made by... To- Toho, and I hope I'm saying that right, yep, so. Toho, as um, their response to the U.S. nuclear threat, where Rodan was the Japanese response to the Russian threat, and Rodan actually doesn't live in um, Mexico. He is supposed to live in an island in the Bering Strait, and he went down into a volcano, and that's where he got all his radiation and got so large because he is a prehistoric titan. Right. So Yes, exactly. So it's, it comes from um t- I I don't want to butch- butcher the word, but they took it off of an actual, you know, prehistoric uh dinosaur bird that went down into the volcano and because it was near Russia, got all this extra radiation and boom comes out well, someone I mentioned today that, like, because, you know, in the movie they talk about how Godzilla was utilizing these underwater tunnels to get to point A to point B. They think that 
Titans in general use these kind of underground tunnel systems to get around faster. I don't know how true or accurate that would be, but... I think that's a good theory, too, because we see the Titans were deep in the Earth's core. Hmm. And that's where they've lived and stayed dormant for so long. And that's quite possible. Maybe Rodan decided to move to a different volcano. But when you think of all these details that they were trying to um, to capture so that fans like us really see it, you know, we know Rodan lives in a volcano, and that's what we wanted to see. We got this big show of him coming out with the lava, and as he's flying, you see this the mammoth wingspan just destroying the buildings and like the you can see the wind pushing the people and the cars in its path and that's what I thought was so amazing is you get that that's what really it would be like because of how enormous these, well, these the titans are. The destruction of the buildings was very paying much homage to the old Rodan movie where his supersonic speed would just, like, lift people off the ground and tear up buildings and everything else. But this is why I like this so much, because, you know, Rodan used to just be on some wires and flying around, and now you have the size of Rodan actually captured in what you think would be a realistic size, mm -hmm. not, you know, not a guy in a suit and then just, like, cutting to a scene of people flying over. You have what almost, if there was a giant Rodan coming, you would expect all the buildings to start collapsing. Alright. Well, we're going to kick into some music here for a little bit. Uh, actually, we're going to kick off this first block. Uh, for those who have not heard of this band, thrash band, thrash death band called Oxygen Destroyer, obviously named after the famous device used to kill Godzilla in the 1954 film. Actually also made an appearance in this film. Um, obviously, it took out Godzilla for a short while and did a little damage to Ghidorah, but... Uh, we found out that Ghidorah is a little bit more of a alien species and able to regenerate. But We'll get to that later. These guys have a brand new uh, EP. Actually, it's a split they do with a band called VHS. They're a little more horror theme. But uh, this first track that I took is from their new split. It's, it's actually based off the character of Gigan, which we have not seen in the Legendary Universe. I hope it gets expanded and maybe they can do something with Gigan. But... Uh, who knows? Anyway, this is uh, called Cyclopean Razor Beast.
Media. Alright, DJ New is back with you on Metal Tavern Radio, the podcast. Talk a little bit about Godzilla King of the Monsters that came out this year. Now, obviously, it's kind of weird because G14, the audience score, I'm just going by Rotten Tomatoes, obviously it could be a lot different elsewhere, but... The audience score was like about a 66% is where it ended up, but the critics were like a 76 or 80%, I think. Whereas King of the Monsters is, is like virtually about 40% with the critics and 84% with the audience. So for the most part, the audience really dug King of the Monsters as opposed to G14. They One of the biggest complaints was not enough monsters. So in your mind... How did, how did you feel in terms of how much monster time you got versus everything else, like, compared to G14? The thing... G14 and and this King of the Monsters are two completely different movies, clearly. But I don't, I don't know enough about the directors. Are they... It's two different directors of the same... You can tell it's two different directors. Yeah, from you, what I understand, Edwards, who did G14, wasn't necessarily a Godzilla fan. Uh, but he did a good job with that movie. I, you know, I think he got kind of short-ended by the audience on that. But King of the Monster with Doherty, he, uh, he was apparently a big, big Godzilla fan. So and it kind of showed how he put together. The one thing, again, going back to, you can tell that with King of the Monsters, they put a lot of effort into the monsters and the look of the monsters. And they wanted to bring more than just Godzilla to the table. So you could see that. You know, that's what fans want. They want to see the monsters. They want them to look cool. They want to see them fighting. They want to see the struggle. In G14... You know, you only got a small amount of fighting, but you can just, it was just written differently. I'm not saying better or worse, but I think my biggest complaint about King of the Monsters is I think the director was trying and the writers were trying too hard to appease critics or appease the mass audience that they kind of got a little short-sighted with everything else that they were doing. So when King of the Monsters came out, they were trying to have all these little side stories with the humans. And those are things I just, as a Godzilla fan, I really don't care about. I, I hate... I hate all of the humans except for <laughs> Sarazawa, Dr. Chen, Dr. Rick Stanton, and Alan Jonah, the, um, the villain. And, yeah, the antagonist. And I feel like, you know, spoiler alert with what happened with Shirazawa, but I'm not going to go into it if, in case someone didn't see it, but I don't think he was developed enough because he was well, a great interest. Well, I think we're okay now because I think pretty much everyone's seen it. <laughs> well, 
you know, he, he saves Godzilla by sacrificing himself. And I, he's a great, interesting character who was in both movies. He's a character that I think you should have tried to develop more. He just got a little bit, I feel like, just not enough. I wanted to see more of him in King of the Monsters because he has, he brings, he ties it together. He's been in the movie since, you know, the legendary Godzilla has taken over. Um, I loved Alan Jonah, but we were so preoccupied with the story of the Russell family that you took away from the classic, like, antagonist, protagonist, you know, evil mad scientist trying to take over with the big bad monster that we had to hear about the Russell family's drama. And I honestly, if we got rid of the Russell family, it would have, we would have saved 20 minutes and we would have gotten more monster action. And we probably would have gotten a better storyline that would coincide with the monsters. Uh, That's actually one of people's biggest complaints is the human side, the human factor, basically. But which is funny... Because when you talk about Shin Godzilla, that's all it is, is about basically the human factor. And people are like, well, that's what it's supposed to be about. <laughs> so, I, I find it funny because I don't, I'm not, I saw Shin Godzilla like three separate times. And I keep trying to figure out what it is that people like about it. I mean, obviously it's a Godzilla film, so if I were to throw Shin Godzilla on the background, I can enjoy it enough to say, okay, it's Godzilla, fine. Compared to this film, I get like a whole different feel than most people that I just the plot with the humans didn't really bother me as much but I do understand where you're going with this because it's already, as, as a character Alan Jonah is just far more interesting than the and Russell you, family you need that character to drive the story he is the reason that we're waking up all these titans now granted somebody's going to say oh we need Dr. Emma Russell fine the rest of her family should have died in 2014, not just her son, and she's going out for a revenge plot. That makes much more sense than her, you know, motive being we're saving the world. If all of her family was dead and she's still working for Monarch, it seems more nefarious and more in line with Alan Jonah as to why she would team up with him. I think that's funny, too, because they tried to make Emma Russell someone who could be, can find redemption at the end. Oh, but, yeah. But you, you and I were kind of laughing. You to be because, like, you, they're trying to make you feel compassion for her. But we were kind of like, we don't feel anything. No. We're, we're glad she got Yeah. <laughs> I, that's the thing. They wanted you to feel compassion for her. Her son is gone. You know, she's trying to save the world, and no, it would have made much more sense, and you would have saved 20 minutes, and you would have gotten more monster action if her entire... You saw that scene at the beginning, it's her entire family is gone. She's just by herself. She's angry. She seeks out Alan Jonah. She does her little, you know, stuff on the sly for the last five years, and when they come to take her, she still pretends that she's being taken. They take the orca, and then... Instead of it looking like, oh, I'm doing this to save the world, and oh, look, now I'm going to release these titans, it would be a revenge story. It would be, 
I'm in control of these Titans now. I'm going after whoever, and I'm with the guy who can help me. And technically, you could have gave Jonah more power there to be the bit, the main factor. Exactly, as to and he's a great villain. He's a great antagonist. He did not get enough screen time, I think. You're you're trying to develop this this family who has all of these, you know, emotional problems. The father's an alcoholic. The mother is, you know, a borderline psychopath. The daughter is confused and she doesn't know which... It's... That is not what you want. I don't care. Well, I think that's part of the issue, and I brought it up to you the other day, is that in America, it's like, when it comes to filmmaking, I think... For whatever reason, the directors feel like they have to have some sort of human plot line to dominate these type of movies. Like, when I think of, like, a movie like Rampage, like, you have all these giant monsters, and of course you have The Rock and everything else, and it's like, okay, it's kind of funny, but, you know, really, that, to me, was worse than King of the Monsters, because... That was more of a joke movie to me. And I, I don't know, maybe some people got more enjoyment out of that compared to King of the Monsters, but... I don't know, but America the, just looks at it and they say, well, in order to appease the masses in America, we have to have a storyline, because people just won't go, in their mind, people won't go and just watch monsters crashing each other. And it's like, I get that, because like, when I look at older Godzilla movies... Um, there's still a lot of human plot lines, but... The human plot lines in the Godzilla, even the 2014, the human plot lines are secondary to the monster plot lines. Yeah, I know there was a lot of human things going on in 2014, but everything that they were doing in 2014 was to bring Godzilla out. To say, oh, we've been studying him. Oh, look there's this egg and now it's hatching everything that the humans were doing in 2014 was setting up the monsters in this movie they were trying to make it a separate movie with the monsters almost as ancillary or background happening behind these humans and that's what people were pissed off about and maybe if i cared about them more and i but they didn't even make the human, uh, the Russell family, they didn't even make that family likable to me. I didn't, and it's sad because they're all very good actors. I did, I did notice a criticism in a review I read recently that the father, Chandler, <laughs> I didn't really think of it at the time, but like, you know, here it was a guy who was probably the most angry about his son's death than all of them, and... He just disappears. Well, he, he gets invited to assist with the government and the military on this stuff and all of a sudden as things are unraveling he's like all of a sudden got all the answers that the government doesn't mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> and he's not even the doctor she is she's the one so i you know if i were the one writing the story which i'm not i would have had the entire family die and i would work on the crazy scientist side with dr emma russell having her you know be with Alan Jonah and I think that would have been a better human story because all those other characters too in the, in the uh, movie they were just you know 
like icing sprinkles they were just there because they're military or and they just it didn't matter they were there and who cares most of them died anyway i i just that that family story was shoved down our throats and it took away from the monsters get rid of that drama i get 20 more monster minutes and that's what i want more of I all right. We'll put that on pause because we're gonna dive into that more. Okay. When we get back on our next break, uh, our next block of music here. I've got a couple of new new songs for you from Enthroned, also Zintrix, and of course a track from Power Trip. So enjoy that, and we'll be right back.
is Isaac Goldsmith. This is Jonathan West from Exhortation. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, DJ Nibbles with you back on Metal Tavern Radio. Our Godzilla edition that we're discussing King of the Monsters. Uh, my wife and I have been talking a lot about it within the last 15 minutes because uh, we always try to come up with ideas and whatnot. But I'm going to start off this part of it just because I need to get this out of the way. Um, get it out of the way. Yeah. Well, I, I came across this guy. He's called That Fat Samurai Guy, P-H-A-T. And I came across his YouTube vid back when the very first King of the Monsters trailer got released. And uh, he and his lady, um, Lady Fatblood, uh, their reactions were pretty much how I was exactly at the same time. Like, because they're obviously they're big nerds like we are. They like all the comic book stuff. And she and she loves Mothra like I like Mothra. Right, so it, it's the, just like a girl thing. It or something. is. I don't know, but. You know, they're big fans of uh, the fantasy horror, whatever, and that that's cool. Um, but their, their YouTube vids where they record themselves doing movie reviews is really great. Like, they put a lot of thought into it. Uh, they have a lot of good opinions and perspectives. And, you know, obviously, when King of Matches got released, I waited anxiously to hear what they had to say. I was, I, I was out. I I was out at sea, so I had to wait, what, three weeks, and I had to not look at any spoilers online, and I had to not look at anything he posted online while I was out on the ship, not watching anything. She and- was getting quite annoyed that I was going out and watching this, like, two, a couple times, and she's like, oh, you went to see it again without me. Yeah. So. That was our first thing, pretty much. I, I had... Two days worth of travel. I get home super early on a Wednesday morning, and I just kind of, we just kind of rested Wednesday. But yesterday, boy, whew, right to the movies. No hesitation. But it, it comes, you know, you can find this guy on Facebook at uh, that fat samurai guy. Um, if you're ever curious, he's also on YouTube under the same name. And uh, like I said, they're very good at the reviews and. They do all kinds of horror movies. With all that said, though, uh, I did catch the review of Godzilla, and shockingly, it wasn't exactly what I thought I would get out of them. But, you know, kind of like my wife within the last few minutes, uh, they make a lot of interesting points that kind of change my perspective a little bit on this particular movie. As much as I still love King of the Monsters... I understand there is a massive difference on how the character development in the first one, G14, compared to this one happened. And, like, in King of the Monsters, everything was kind of just, like, pushed and rushed on you very fast. Now, with Lady Fatblood, one of her complaints was, when it came to the monster fighting, and this has been said by other people in the Godzilla group and everything else, is that, you know, there was too much of like, okay, they're engaging in fighting, awesome. All of a sudden, we're going back to Millie Brown's character or Vera's character, back to fighting, then back to Chandler or whatever. So that kind of annoyed her because whenever she she felt that whenever the fighting started beginning it was getting good, it would just like boom, cut away. I I have yes, I feel like what they ended up doing 
and it it sucks for the monsters because the monsters themselves are characters and they didn't treat the monsters as characters in this movie they treated them as props or a backdrop or something ancillary to what was going on with the people and the the kaiju are very detailed and have such complex backgrounds themselves that none of that really was developed and it was just kind of oh this is Mothra and that's it oh this is Rodan and that's it and this is uh, King Ghidorah and that's it that's all we have for you and I get that it's already a two hour movie and you can't get crazy on it but when you have a movie that you're trying to move that is about kaiju and you have a not well-developed people plot going on in front of it, it can take away. Whereas what I really liked more about the people in G14 is their sole purpose in that movie was to move the story about Godzilla and the Mutos. Yeah, we said that about uh, Cranston's character, how we felt his pain when his wife died and then, of course, with Saragawa when he did his thing with Godzilla. Like, you felt those moments, but it was very hard to feel the issues that the Russell family were feeling. Like, I, I get it. I know what they were going for, but I think it wasn't executed as well. And I think you're right that they probably should have just cut out Billy Brown's character and Chandler. I think that's something they should have just did away with and let Vera be in the the lone survivor who had like an axe to grind and wanted just chaos and that would have made sense because then you would have taken all that wasted time with the the scenes with those other two and just added more monster fighting which would have shown that chaos that everyone seems to be really wanting here and you brought up you know how many kaiju were released how many titans were released and they're they weren't really showing in a global scale of what was going on, we we clearly we got the Mothra, Rodan, Godzilla, King Ghidorah, uh, you know, storyline, and that's what we're there to see. But then at the end, when all the other Titans are coming to pay their respect to Godzilla as the Alpha, it's more like, okay, well, where were you? you know, two hours ago when I was trying to fight and what is going on and what were you doing and why were you, like... Yeah, a lot of it's speculation because, like, everyone, I know people were asking initially, like, well, how did Mothra have time to lay an egg? And most people just speculate that from the time that she hatched to a moth, from the time that she showed up at the uh, oil rig, that that's what she was doing. Well, again, if you don't know Mothra... You, she just does that. Like, after she hatches and turns into her moth stage, there's an egg. She's like a phoenix. When she dies, there's an egg. It just happens. But you don't know that because they didn't do anything to develop Mothra's story. They started really well at the beginning when you're seeing her in her larva stage and you're going, oh great, we're going to see this whole development of a kaiju. You're going to see what's going on with Mothra. What is Mothra's story? And we got about a th- three minute, less than three minute flip through with Dr. Chen talking about her being the third uh, 
generation monarch and the only reference to infant island if you can't read and you're you or you didn't see it was on a picture that said infant island 1958 but that's cool that's that's one of those easter eggs that were showing up and people like that but there's no like it's mothra they're all complex characters in themselves and instead of the humans directing the story towards the kaiju they were having their own little stories i would have loved to see more from dr chen i would have liked to see her doing more research on mothra and more like at the beginning there rodan they're they're talking about we just know they said oh rodan he's he's known as as uh uh fire demon. the fire demon that's all we had. That's all we... That's all that, that... He's Fire Demon, it's Legend, and that's it. Well, as I said earlier, Rodan has a nice complex story about him that all we know is Fire Demon comes and he makes lots of wind and scares all the people and buildings fall. That's all we're getting. And instead of the people, as in the people characters, directing the story towards Rodan in that little scene... I know, yes, they don't have much time, but instead of, like, the ten minutes that they took to be, you know, people yeah, I think developing... It's just, a, it's just an editing issue here, because... They didn't, but see, they didn't write the story that way. While they're on their way, they're like, oh, look, it's Rodan, Fire Demon. No, I mean, like, if they had cut out, like, the stuff you said initially about the, the rest of the family, and, and focus more on, uh the kaiju uh kaiju uh development that probably would have worked so i think in that aspect like doherty didn't really think that much out but again it, it could be because americans as far as like what they want to do with films don't think in the same way that japanese do so like you know doherty probably went in saying well we can't just have just matches because no one's going to come see it which is kind of bullshit but uh, but you want monsters with a purpose, right. too. And yeah, you have to have the human story there, in one way or the other. But I, I do think that they made a mistake of dragging out this family in the ways that he did. It just didn't make a lot of sense. But the other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, Lady Fatblood had said the other issue, and we talked about this with the trailer. She said one of her problems was she got too overhyped from the trailers. Mm -hmm. And then when she finally saw it, it was like kind of a dud in a way that just everything got they blew their load too early they revealed too much in the trailers where like that scene like when i saw the the trailer of mothra spreading her wings i was like crying because i was so happy and then that's all i got in the movie was what was in the trailer nothing more <laughs> so that up that's you know uh, that's upsetting with that beautiful scene of King Ghidorah on top of the mountain, the cross in the foreground, you know, he's kind of silhouetted in the background. It's beautiful. It's well done. It's in the trailer. It's like at the end of one of the trailers. Yeah, they save that. Two trailers, too many, really. Yeah, save that for your audience because when you put those great scenes, and that's one thing that I loved about the movie was these beautiful scenes with a beautiful score and everything was smooth and the fighting was great and you could see like 
in the in the monsters while they're fighting, you saw emotion. So that's why I get a little taken aback. You see Godzilla's got emotion and he is you there's parts where he's looking at the people. He doesn't really trust you, but he's got bigger fish to fry right now. Mm-hmm. So you see that they're complex characters, but almost like the director doesn't respect that they're complex characters. They're treated like props in the background. Yeah, you might have overthunk it because as even even though we know Doherty's a Godzilla fan and mm-hmm. even O'Shea Jackson who was in the film is a fan, uh, I think they didn't really give Godzilla fans credit enough to think that we can go in there and have a lot more monster fighting and still be fine with it. Like, I think for whatever reason, they felt like they still had to throw in all this other human drama, which really could have been summed up. Think about the scene with Mothra coming down on Godzilla after she's hurt and she's, like, giving herself up. Like, again, that that is kaiju emotion. Right. You know, they can do it with the, the CGI that you can show it. Maybe they're not talking to us and maybe they're not speaking English, but if you would have maybe explain more about Mothra being the moth goddess that she is and she's the protector of Earth and, you know, she's an ancient deity. More than, like, the the short quip that you get in, you know, while they're on their way. You you gave Godzilla his own movie in G14. You also got to see some, you know, little hints about Godzilla's backstory, you know, how he was worshipped as a god, but you you sit there and say, you know, for these complex characters, I, I say, these are beautiful complex characters, they're visually beautiful, but they're just not getting the respect that they should from a good, you know, a good story, like, Yes, you're going to need people to move this story along because Godzilla doesn't talk. Neither does Mothra or or Rodan. But you don't want the people to take away from the the magic of the kaiju and everything that the CGI did to bring it to life to really, you know, let's go back to the rubber suit and the, you know, fake Mothra flying on some string in the background. That's all you had. You didn't have angry faces, and you didn't have the adorable little, you know, squealy squeals that Mothra did. And you, you know, you feel like when you see that and you hear it, you're really bringing Mothra to life as like this beautiful, again, moth goddess. You look at Godzilla. He has that that stare, you know rode in, he comes out and he's chaotic you can do all of that with CGI so build the story around it that's that's just my biggest complaint, but anyway alright, well we'll get to more of that um, certainly I want to get to um, what it means going forward with the franchise we know we got Godzilla and Kong coming up but you know, we'll get more into some of that after this next block uh, then after this next metal block, we're going to get to the uh, the rock block that we do on Metal Tavern. And uh, that's going to be about six songs. So 
we're gonna have a nice little break in here so at that point you guys will be able to go and get something to eat or whatever if you're checking us out right now however this next block i got some transat uh band that's very heavily influenced by one of my favorite artists uh devin townsend mm. And I got some priests from their latest record and then brand new stuff from Nail Pride. So we'll let you all get to that and check this out and we'll be back. Dance 
Only violence in your Back with you on Metal Tavern Radio. Alright. 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 Doing our Godzilla review. Me and my lovely wife, Missy. So, I was thinking about this. We already know that there's going to be a Godzilla and Kong. Because it's actually already done shot. But now they're just fine-tuning it. and Obviously, they've made statements that they're pushing it back a little bit. Because they want to make sure that... The fans are getting an A-plus movie. I don't even know what the fuck that really means, because if Godzilla loses, that's going to suck. That can't <laughs> happen. But, I'm just, I'm, ki- I'm kidding. I, I mean, I it would suck, but I have no idea what they're going to do with it. I'm hoping, in my dream scenario, the two of them fight, but then, like, a greater threat comes along, and they team up and beat the shit out of it, but... Well, we have uh, Alan Jonah with the head of Ghidorah. Maybe. Well, I saw like a recent speculation or theory that 
so they take that and then somehow energize Kong in order to defeat Godzilla. But, you know, who knows? It's all speculation at this point. But here's my question to you because obviously King of the Monsters has its own little flaws here and there, at least more in your eyes than mine. If Legendary got permission to do or to expand their monsterverse with origin stories for like Mothra and Rodan or whatever, and it kind of brought everything together, kind of like Marvel does with their cinematic universe, would that make you feel better about this film? It wouldn't make me feel better about that film, but it would make me feel better about everything overall because not all Marvel films are good. They're some right, that are just you, okay. Right, but I mean, in, in general, like, it, it kind of brings everything together. We've, we've noticed that. We've watched about just about all of the Marvel stuff, so we know how it all ties in together. And, like, even though Legendary only has two films right now, if they were somehow able to expand that um, beyond Kong and Godzilla, I mean... This movie is a good starting point. They've got, they've got the score down. They've got the beautiful cinematography with the CGI and nothing is going to take away from that and that's what I loved I loved all the special effects I loved and will I watch this movie again yeah I'll probably watch it a hundred times and I will love it I do love this movie it's just I um I do feel like that there was more that could be done and if they do these other movies you know, maybe I'll step back after watching the other movies and say, hmm, I see what they did. But you, I still hate, I, I hate the Russell family, though. You basically feel that it was a missed opportunity here. Yeah. Which is what a lot of people have said. I mean, I, your argument is not any different than a lot of other people's. I mean, obviously, some people are like me. We overlook a lot of that. Um, obviously, I, I've kind of scaled back my excitement of it. I'm like fat samurai. It's what I do. Here. It's what I do. He I did the I destroy same fucking thing. I know. You just ruined my fucking dream, man. But no, like, it's still a very high rated movie for me. Um, despite the, the fact that I understand some of the criticisms that come with it. But I really do hope they can expand on this because I would like to see a, a Mothra movie or a Rodan or, you know, fuck. I mean, you still have Keiju like fucking Gigon and Garius that haven't even been touched on, so it's like... How would you feel about a King Caesar movie? <laughs> they could do it. Um, I thought it was interesting you brought up that point about that because Godzilla, Mechagodzilla 74 is one of my top five films, so... I didn't even know that Mothra was originally planned to be the sidekick to Godzilla and that so the fact that they settled on creating King Caesar that that's pretty interesting but it, they didn't have a Mothra prop. I mean we, we don't understand it was the 70s. We don't like Godzilla fans in general we don't care about how many kaiju movies are out there, kaiju movies however you want to pronounce it but we don't care how many are out there because we like it. Like, you know, you have the War of the Gargantuas and just, like, uh, Reticulous, all these different films that were out there. So, more kaiju films are great. We obviously love them. I don't know what you can do with King Caesar. I'm sure there's a lot of cool backstory that you probably could create with that, but 
I think even if you just stuck with the major players, you're still even King Ghidorah could have his own film, which would be awesome. I hope they do that because I there's so much more to King Ghidorah than just this three-headed monster that fell from the stars. That's what they, he fell from the stars. That's what they tell us about him, and we have nothing but some lore and legend. You know, I I think. I think that this movie, with with what they had with the action and the monster fights, what they gave us for that, I just wanted more. And but what they gave us was really good. What they, you know, the the shots and everything was really really good. It's basically like in your what you're trying to tell me. It's, it's like Lucy holding the football for Charlie Brown and pulling yeah, pulling it back. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I I loved it, but I also had my own, you know, problems with it. And it's mainly because I just don't think that the kaiju got the respect that they should have gotten. You know? But anyway, I, you know, these characters, if they got their own movies, it would be, it would be amazing to me. Maybe that's part of the problem, because, you know... Before we got Avengers, we did have a bunch of other solo movies, like, for certain characters. So it's like, but also, maybe this one came up too fast. Maybe it should have been Go- Kong versus Godzilla first and then gone into... But, you know, you can move the, the movies along better than what they did with this one. One thing, I got a lot of enjoyment out of the credits with all the newspapers because... That's well. It, you said that was more well put together than it the was. Actual... It would. They were telling stories about the kaiju through newspaper clippings. If you can do it that simply through newspaper clippings, you could have done it better in the movie. And you had this beautiful, like, movie that you've already produced with these these characters that are just gorgeous and and the way that you want to see Godzilla, the way you want to see Rodan. It's that's how I wanted to see the the Titans, the Kaiju. I wanted to see them looking like that. And when you have something that you know it's kinda realistic, even though it's still a giant monster movie, it's it's Well that's that's the thing, like and that's what I really love about it is the fluidity of the creatures, like it all comes together like their interactions with each other. They each had their own mannerisms and characteristics. And they had a personality. Three heads from Gidra. Each one had its own identity. <laughs> like It's really kind of interesting. So it, There's a lot to like about it. I really do love this film a lot. So it's like I can't really find too many faults in it. You know, there's speculation that because it didn't do quite as well financially as that they thought it might. I mean, it still made $300 million, which is good, and it's still got a few weeks to go, but it looks like it's kind of like... What about globally? I have you... Well, it's done better overseas mm-hmm. than it has in the U.S. U.S., I think it's done about 70 or $80 million, but overseas it's done like maybe $200 million. That's It's really making an impact over... Like, apparently Toho really likes this film, which is good. That's what you want to do. You want to please 
the originators of the whole characters and everything else. So at least from that angle, it's done well. And hopefully we get more. And that's what I want to see. I love giant monster movies. But and we do know that Toho is going to get their rights back in 2020 after Kong and Godzilla. So I don't know what that really means for Legendary going forward. Uh, Doherty has said that there's a possibility they could get more films. I don't know how that's going to play out. Obviously, I'd like to see. I like what they've done with the the characters and the, the looks and everything else. Um, and I, I got. I'm gonna get to this later on. Um, but for me, as a Godzilla fan, I've had to divide up how I approach the modern version of Godzilla versus the past, and I'll get to that later because pretty much it's how I'm gonna close out and how I approach King of the Monsters versus everyone else because I know there's a lot of criticisms and and it, and it's fair. I'm not blasting people who came out of this not really digging it the way they should have. But I do think for me there there is two ways you have to kind of look at this and it, it's kind of divided up, but I'll get into that later. Uh we're going to get into our rock block. It's going to be about six songs, so we're going to be taking a nice little break here before we get back into it. But uh, got some Black Galaxy coming up, Jane's Addiction, a band called The Great Divide. They're pretty cool. You need to check them out. Fastway, Joe Walsh, and some Ozzy Osbourne. But here's some new stuff by this band called Black Galaxy called Leaving. Check it out.
This is Hugo Flores from Factory of Dreams and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Enjoy the music.
depth can be
We're Torrify from Victoria, B.C. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Stay thrashing. T.J. Dubas with the Metal Diamond Radio. What the fuck? Anybody got a muzzle for this bitch? I mean, seriously? D.J. Dubas with you on Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, so that ends our rock block. Uh, for those that are new to my podcast, uh, with the downfall of Metal Tavern Radio, the station... Uh, I'm now back to doing podcasts on a regular basis, which I think, for the most part, is working out pretty well. I wouldn't call it a downfall. You've decided to rebrand yourself and reorganize. Right. Yeah, that's not about right. I mean, I didn't do that bad with the station. I mean, it was all right. But uh, in the end, I think with the time constraints and just everything in general, I talked it over with my wife and everything else. It's like... This is more manageable, and it's a little bit more enjoyable, and I'm actually interacting more with my fan base as well as the musicians that I promote and everything else. So, so far, so good. Uh, I don't think every episode is going to be quite this lengthy because, you know, we are taking time to discuss Godzilla, King of the Monsters in this episode. But you will probably see my wife in future episodes. Uh, She's a great companion and guest to my show so she's always given her uh two cents and everything she tends to like dominate my fucking shows too everyone falls in love with her for some reason like you know it's like me and then it's like oh missy you know okay but anyway here's where dj nubis the noobs that's me pushes back against all you godzilla motherfuckers that are like downplaying the movie now, keep in mind, I'm not busting on people that didn't really like this film as much as I did, but I think there's some issues that definitely need to be addressed. Now, it could be the beer talking, but I doubt it, because I've been stating this from the, the word go, okay? As Godzilla fans and Kaiju fans, we are very spoiled. Um, we... As it is, we rarely get films that often, but when we do, we tend to, like, brutalize them as much as we can. I'm guilty of this a little bit, too. Um, I saw Godzilla 98 in the theaters, and then I saw it once afterwards. Now, I could have watched it any time after that, but I just... I have a hard time with it for a number of reasons, and it's probably the same reasons why I don't care for Godzilla 54 that much. That's because Godzilla dies. Like, I of attachment to Godzilla as more of the anti-hero rather than the villain. Some people were more attached to him as the villain. They'd rather see him as the villain, and I'm not one of those people. So one of the reasons for 98, not only did I not really care for the look of Godzilla, I mean, I appreciate what Emmerich was doing and Devlin and them, but overall, the movie came across more like Jurassic World than it did in a Godzilla movie. And... Of course, even when I want to try to watch it with Godzilla dying at the end, it just kind of sucks. It's kind of like King Kong. Like, I can't watch King Kong all that often because he dies. 
except for Skull Island, he didn't die in that one. But, but we are kind of spoiled in the sense that when we do get these Godzilla movies that we kind of like overly criticize them or bashed them to the point that's like, dude, just be happy you fucking got one. Uh, yeah, so I'm losing my train of thought here. That's not good. <laughs> my ADD is kicking in. So, the fact that we're spoiled and on top of that, like, really, the criticisms, I think, like, when it comes to the cutscenes and everything else, it's like, really, when you think about how much goes into making these movies, both financially and the time constraints, like, I know there's the argument that we could have cut out some of the human plot, but at the end of the day, the directors are going to do what they need to do to try, try to appease everyone. Not just the Godzilla fans, but those who are just natural moviegoers. So, like, as much as us Godzilla fans would like to just go in and see destroy all monsters and have just monster mayhem, you know, left and right, it's like, it's just not a reality for what they're putting into these movies because they've got to think outside the box. they got to think outside of our fan base to try to drive in income and then more people to be fans of the franchise. So when I hear people say, well, without Godzilla, King of the Monsters doing 500 million, I don't know if they're going to hit that mark or not, but without them doing that, they won't be able to continue this. Well, that's not true. Uh, Shen Godzilla, despite having a smaller market, uh, only did about 80 million, maybe a little under that. But... It still ended up being like a, <laughs> a big uh, success for Toho because not since the earlier films did they uh, actually make a lot of money on that. But it isn't going to stop Toho from making Godzilla films because it's it's like a, a cash cow regardless. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> So my pushback here is that, and I'm going to pick on Lady Fat Blood a little bit, is like, I think you're being overly critical, and same with Missy, because she agrees with you on a lot of this, with like the overhypeness and the characters and the cuts and all that. So my pushback a little bit is just that we tend to be a little spoiled when we do get a film, and I think this film was done well enough to the point that it, it, could, it could satisfy people, and I don't know why we need to be overly critical of it. But I, I understand it. I mean, I'm not like saying that no one can't have their own views of it. I, that's just how it is. But I think some fans do tend to be a bit harsher on the film than it really needs to be. Same with 14. Same with Shin Godzilla. I didn't care for Shin Godzilla. But like I said, I, I spent time like three different times watching this film. Like it's if you put it on right now, I could still watch it because it's a Godzilla flick. Like, it's not... I don't hate it that much, you know? So it's like... I'm not saying that anyone else is really hating it. I know you don't hate it, but, like... The criticisms... I don't know. I think I just think that people are kind of overlooking all the good stuff that it does and the fact that we actually have it. Because there's just not very many of them out there in this day and age, so... I don't know. I, I appreciate it more that they've been able to do that. So, what are your thoughts? I'm happy that they made it, obviously. But 
my rebuttal to you is going back to revealing too much in the trailers. I think they had this movie done and they were showing it to test audiences and everybody was floored by how great the monsters looked. And that's my biggest thing is the monsters were awesome. They were these gargantuan titans. They were amazing. And when the directors and producers saw the reaction, I think they got a little careless. And that's when they released like the extended trailers. I think if we wouldn't have seen the extended trailers, I personally would have liked the movie more because it would have been that surprise factor with the reveals of all the the titans that's where i think some people especially if you and i had i didn't see all the trailers either because you know when i'm working away on the ship i really don't have great internet and i cannot watch it'll it'll take like 30 minutes sometimes for any clip to load so I think they just got a little too careless with revealing the monsters in their trailers. And I think they did that, though, just out of pure excitement from the reactions of their audiences or from the reactions of people that they used as their guides. And I understand, because if I created something that looked that good, I'd want to show it off. But I think that kind of, you know, I loved what they looked like, but I kind of said to myself, okay, I saw it in the trailer. You shouldn't have showed it to me in the trailer so I could have the excitement that I felt when I first saw the Mothra spread her wings in the trailer. It brought me to tears. I was so happy. Well, then you have the exact same scene, but nothing more for me. I think that's what really hurt. And I think that might be what some other people are feeling too because you know you watch and you you build up this anticipation and then when you finally see it you're like yeah it looked great but it's exactly what I expected because you showed me all your 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 hand you showed me all your cards three months ago when I watched the trailer that makes sense I mean I get it and I, I actually agree with that point because and I, I guess that's the point that I'm kind of missing with you guys is that I understand the. Uh, I, I think they blew their load way too early on that. Like it just, I think that had a lot to do with the original release date of March, getting pushed back to May, and then like the fact that we had like twenty thousand trailers, and that's exactly what other people have mentioned that you go in with this certain type of hype, and then you notice that it's just like, oh, well, I saw this. And that's all they have. So, I get it. And that's what just kind of disappointed me a little bit. But I love how everything looked. And that's that's what the standout was in this movie. You have a real monster. You have, you know, as real as it could be. But you have this, this amazing just digitally created monsters that are phenomenal looking and that's you know me being again like you said a little spoiled 
I just wanted more. I think they gave up too much up front and didn't save the suspense for the for the actual release. Well, not just that, but when I say spoiled, I think it's just a matter of, you know, it, it can be with, like, any fan base of anything, Marvel, whatever. We go into these films and... Or comic books or whatever you do, but we go into them and we're like, God damn, man, you know, it's like, it's just not enough. <laughs> it's like... You know, the complaints are not enough monsters in G14. And then all of a sudden in King of the Monsters, it's like, well, we have the monsters, but we just don't have it's just too many cutscenes or just too much human plot. It's like, we're just never satisfied. And it's like, at some point, we have to kind of just understand that it's a bigger picture than just us G fans. Like, I don't think Godzilla fans really understand that it, 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 in order to broaden filmmaking like Toho I would venture to guess makes their movies just for Godzilla fans like I don't think there really is much beyond that I could be wrong uh, I just don't think it really extends beyond their Godzilla universe like for America it has a smaller niche and it's like you know there's a lot of us diehards here in the states and when we get something like King of the Monsters, we're just kind of like, it's easier for us to nitpick it, but at this stage, like, we have to kind of understand that when you do Hollywood films, it's got to be thinking outside of the box. And they have to think about a global scale here as far as, like, how they're going to advertise it and get it out there. Now, I totally agree with the trailers. I, I just... it just too much burnout i think i mean but you know a lot of us were eating it up that's why watching the trailers over and over that plus you know uh even fat samurai guy and all them they were like you know usually we don't review like every trailer they were they even fell for it too they kept diving into it and it's like i think again they got burned out on it as well so there is some merit to that and so that's what happens is they just advertised it to death to like you said they just ruined it <laughs> that's like the money shot yeah you know? they they just ruined the suspense and and that's you know that's fine because i'm hoping you know we're going to have Godzilla versus Kong and we're going to have another Godzilla you know universe movie and let's hope they do you know, going back to Marvel, X-Men, Avengers, any of them, growing up, I would read the comic books and collect the cards and all of that nonsense. And when the movies finally came out, you just got so excited that the movies were there on the big screen. You know, there are some diehard... I, I was a diehard fan, and there were people who were kind of diehard fans who they're like this isn't right this isn't the actual you know storyline they've changed things and you have to think about how many years Marvel or Godzilla has been around and you cannot just take you know what whatever it is 70 years and and condense it and squeeze it into one movie it's just impossible. You can't just take this whole kaiju universe and turn it into one movie. 
And that part of that, too, is, you know, we as fans having the anticipation, wanting to see it with this amazing animation and the amazing special effects. We, but, you, again, coming from the other side, like I said, you have to realize you cannot take all these years and turn it into this one standalone movie with all these perfect kaiju. Alright, well, when we come back, we're going to start talking about the third segment and what, what our expectations are from it and what we hope to see. But in this next uh, segment of music, I've got some new stuff from Degrees of Truth, as well as Sleep Lord, and then some old school Northern Oak. Check it out.
Hey, this is Mamenas from After Jazz, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. DJ Nubis, back with you on Metal Tavern Radio, the podcast, with my sidekick, Missy, who is currently taking a bathroom break. Anywho, gives me a chance to uh, throw out some shout-outs. Uh, obviously, I've been talking about the, that fam- fat samurai guy. God, my, um, this is why I don't drink while I, dr- I do this shit, but here we are anyway. Uh, you can find him on Facebook. That's P-H-A-T Samurai Guy. That Fat Samurai Guy. Uh, you can find him on YouTube. He and Lady Fat Blood, his lady, uh, do movie reviews, all sorts of shit. Uh, horror, fantasy, Marvel, whatever. Uh, a lot of good shit in there. Be sure to check it out. Uh, well worth it. Um, also... I'm part of two uh, Godzilla groups on Facebook. Uh, the Godzilla group, obviously, that's one of them. And then Godzilla Inspiration. So for any Godzilla fans, if you want to join those, and there's a lot of good fans in there, you obviously get all the kind of drama that comes with it, but that, that's with every group and every fan base. So, anywho. Uh, so now that my, my better half is back, we're going to talk about Gong, uh, that's why I say Gong. <laughs> Kong versus Godzilla. And what we expect from this third film, because we really don't know if it's going to go beyond that. So let's just stick with what we do know. We do know this film is done and is being fine-tuned. So we don't know exactly what's all going to happen with it, but here's my hope. Uh, with what I'm hoping for. And that is, uh, going by Godzilla's past history throughout other films and how stuff like Ghidorah plays into it and all that, you know, you got stuff like GMK where Ghidorah is actually a good, uh, Earth Defender or other films where King Ghidorah is, like, rebuilt for humans to use against Godzilla. Uh, I have a feeling, at least in theory, that Godzilla will probably end up fighting Kong to some degree, but that my hope is, rather than like the older film with Godzilla and Kong where it was a tie and speculation whether or not Kong won versus Godzilla, whatever... I'd much rather it go into a direction where... Because both, really, Kong and Godzilla are both, like, Earth's heroes. So, in a way, I'd like to see it end with both of them fighting another rival that's threatening the Earth. Like, just come together and beat the shit out of some other thing. Which may be uh, Ghidorah rebuilt using by the humans or whatever, by maybe even by the character of Alan Jonah, who knows. Uh, there are some things that lead me to believe that won't happen, and part of that is... The movie's already done? No, no, no. Uh, Chen, uh, there's a reference at the end that I can't remember the doctor with the blonde hair and the glasses, but he says, I'm glad that Godzilla's on our side, and she says, for now. And... That could lead one to believe that maybe Godzilla just finally gets tired of protecting the Earth, tired of protecting the humans, and decides that 
he don't care what happens to us, and the only one left to protect us is God, uh, King Kong, so maybe that's what leads to the confrontation, I don't know, but my hope is that even if there is a confrontation, it leads to something else. That's just my hope going forward. Don't know what to expect. Well, we shall see. What do you want out of it? Um, basically what you said. I, I would like something with Godzilla and Kong maybe fighting each other, but then going off to fight a bigger foe. But what I can, I can see from your what your opinion what you just said of um Godzilla doesn't really trust people you can tell mm -hmm. you know so it might be that Kong is going to be more on our side in that movie than Godzilla on our side I also don't know, I mean, we never, King Kong has never left Skull Island in any of his movies without the help of people. Maybe we take him off of Skull Island. Well, maybe that's part of what happens. Maybe. Well, no, because we know from those um, newspaper clippings that the monsters are starting to converge in Skull Island, so something is drawn in there. And we don't know if it's going to be Kong just being territorial or... Yeah, but Skull Island is, is a small portion. Godzilla is protecting the Earth. That's why I'm wondering why it would turn into a fight unless Kong is maybe encroaching on other people's territory. That's, that's, that's just... I mean, but we've never... Kong doesn't swim. He doesn't, like, leave Skull Island and swim somewhere. He's just there. Well, I don't remember. And then it's, it's been a lot of time since I've seen the original King Kong vs. Godzilla. I think they actually both fall into the ocean. And the only one you see leaving is Kong, and he's swimming. Now, granted, that was that movie and not what we're seeing now. I, I, I don't know... If Kong staying on Skull Island just means that he's his own man, because like there was speculation like when Ghidorah makes his call, why didn't King Kong answer? It? And I think some of that is King Kong just doesn't answer to anyone. You know, he's his own beast, so to speak. Uh, but you could say the same thing about Godzilla. Godzilla doesn't answer to anyone either, but that's because he's an alpha and so is Ghidorah. So I don't know. And maybe Kong is an alpha too. Yeah. It could just be a power for who's, you know, top dog. Mm -hmm. But I think that in the kaiju world, people look at Godzilla as, as you said, he's not very trustworthy of humans. Even though Kong isn't much either, Kong just seems to be more aligned with protecting humans than Godzilla would be so I don't know it's it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with it I'm hoping that whatever maybe they learn from this and they don't release too much yeah yeah that that would be the thing is don't give too much away and leave it to be let our imaginations right. take us there yeah I think that's a good argument just with everything that we haven't seen much and they're the movie's already done they're editing it you know they haven't given us much of any idea of what could happen. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, I'll play a little bit more music here before we just start to close it out and have our final thoughts, but coming up, I got some stuff from Holy Side featuring the singer from uh, Avulsed. That's a death thrash project he did a few years ago. Awesome. New stuff from No One Gets Out Alive. I know my wife hates it because it has banjo in it, but I also got a friend's band of mine, Blame God, and then I'm going to end with a band that uh, has one of their new albums that's going to end up being one of my albums of the year, so be looking for that. Right now, though, going back away is Incantation and Portal Consecration. <laughs>
is Anime from Darken and you are listening to the Holes of Chaos only on Metal Tavern Radio.
right, DJ New is back with you on Mel Tavern Radio. Getting ready to close out this episode. This was the Godzilla edition. Hope you enjoyed it. Both Missy and I giving our viewpoints and reviews of the movie King of the Monsters. So, from a scale of 1 to 10, what do you give it? An 8. That's pretty good. I thought you'd go lower. I think that, you know, for a minute there, I was going to give it a 9. Are you still going to stick with your 10? I'm still going to stick with the 10. And the reason being is, I still like this film a little more than G14. Even though I think that, as you said, the human plot line is stronger in G14. But I love, I, I love too much everything they've done with Ghidorah, Rodan, and Mothra. Well, and that's, that's my point, is what they did well, they did really well. And that makes up for the things that I find lacking. And I think I get so irritated with the way that... The, the, the things that I find flawed in the movie because what they everything was so well done that when they have something that detracts from the movie... It's irritating. It really is because. Well, I think that's what's hard for some fans out there that feel the same way you do is that they want so much to like this film for the things that we've pointed out, but then, like, because of the flaws that it has, that it holds back. But I think that for me, it still comes down to does it really affect me as much as other people know? And as much as I love G14, which I also gave a 10, I just, I can't knock this film because I actually like it more just because it does add the old school monsters that I grew up to love. And I I didn't get to this the last time we talked about the reasons why I approach this differently than the old school Godzilla movies is that growing up as a child watching the films that I did, like, you know, having my parents take me to the Saturday matinee to watch stuff like, in, you know, Godzilla vs. Godzilla in 74 when I'm, you know, I'm five and six years old and checking that shit out. Like, it's just, it's much different watching those as a kid as it is now watching 214 and King of the Monsters as an adult because the films themselves are, despite the flaws of the human plot lines and everything, is they're still designed for adults. Like, and, that, and that's what I like about it. And I have to be fair to the directors of both films and say, look, this is how they're approaching this. I have to approach it the same way. I can't really approach it from the kid's view anymore. So I guess that's why I kind of give them a pass on this, whereas other people don't. Because a lot of people, when they compare these films, they're like, yeah, but the older films did that. I'm like, I just, I can't do that with this. I just, it's so different than what we've seen. And that's what I like. And that's why, you know, I don't have a problem with people using that method. It's just not something I can do because when I look at old school Godzilla films, I, I just, it just brings me back to a kid. These films, I'm not looking at as a kid anymore. I'm looking at as an adult. Like how mature the, the, I don't know what, what the word I'm looking for, but just the package that they've put in there. And even if they have flaws, it's like 
it's still a mature approach to the universe. And here's a question to you for someone who's never been a Godzilla fan and they come in and they see King of the Monsters never have seen any of the other Godzillas. Do you think it's possible for them to go back and watch some of the older Godzillas and, and have the affection for them? Or do you think that in order to appreciate the old Godzilla films you had to have watched them at a different time in your life? Because me... I've always been like a classic insomniac and uh you know what's on TV at 2 a.m. but kung fu and godzilla movies so you just kind of I I would flip that on and and watch it and it just it, that's the kind of memory I have of just kind of feeling good and That's like a whole other sleep. debate you and I with the kung fu like that's like a whole other realm <laughs> that I would love to visit someday uh yeah, you know, it's a great question because I think that's exactly why the critics had a hard time with this because I believe for a fact that many of them don't have the backstory or don't understand the backstory of Godzilla. Like, they don't know who these creatures are. They just know that they're giant monsters added to the mix. So they don't know the significance of why they're there, what they mean, uh like why Mothra plays a major part like she does like just they don't know that stuff and so it is difficult when the movie can only explain so much that they're like what I don't I don't get it what is well, it mean? well that's not even what I mean do you think somebody who actually came in and enjoyed this film can go back and look at the older films and and like them or do you think if you've never seen a Godzilla film before and you see the newer ones with the, the CGI that's like nice and crisp and you have all the monsters out there. Are you going to be able to go back and look at Rubber Suit Godzilla and say, hey. I think you'll have a mix. Um, I think some Godzilla fans who have families and kids, like they actually wean them on the earlier stuff. So like by the time they get to stuff like this, they're already familiar with it. But then you have... As you say, the newer fans who come in, they're like looking at this and they go back and look at the older and they're like, because eh, it happens with all sorts of genres. Like we see it with horror movies all the time. Mm -hmm. You and I bicker about the remakes that are just abysmal in our opinion. And but people—that's all that these these but younger the new, kids have right, seen. Right, the, the new generation—they're like, well, I thought it was fantastic, you know. And then they see the older stuff and they're like, I don't know. Uh, it's, that shit happens with Suspiria. We, I, we're going to watch that one day. But it's like... So many people look at the new one and they say, Wow, this is a nice piece of art. It's you know, it's doing a lot of different things. It's not going for all the gore. Or all, I mean, it has some in it. But it's just a different approach. And then they go and look at Argento's version. And they're like, Well, that's a piece of shit. I don't get it. Why is that such a classic? And, and they don't understand. So it, I understand... It's a generational gap thing, so from your question, I think that some people will either get it, some won't, some might be able to go back and enjoy it. I think that if you're a giant monster movie fan, no matter when it was made, that you're going to like the old stuff plus the new stuff. It just, it's in your blood. It's, it's just how it is. Um, I know it's a little easier for me to say because I'm almost 50 and I've seen just about all Wow, the you're old. Oh, man. But, yeah, I think at this stage, I still 
I'm going to rank it 10 out of 10. I can't rank it any lower than 14 because it's actually just a step above because of the action involved. So do you change your, your ranking for 14? No. No, I, I still love G14. Like, if I rank them right now, it's King of the Monsters, G14, Godzilla, Mexican Godzilla, uh, Mexican Godzilla, <laughs> 74, <laughs> uh, G2000, and then, of course, Godzilla Final Wars. So, uh, that's probably. I do gonna, love Final Wars. Well, that's going to piss a lot of people off, too, because a lot of people don't even like that. So, go figure. You know, people have their favorites. It's You can't win. Uh,. Yeah, you know, it just, I don't know, I, 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 I'm a fan of technology, and I think you and I both saw the Clash of the Titans remake, and there's a difference between what was done with CGI there versus what we saw here. Yeah, but they completely changed the story, too, of Clash of the right. Titans. Right, but even the CGI stuff, like, I, you know, y you can do... A Medusa that's not CGI, like they, but they cheapen it out on there. You know, it's like you don't have to go Ray Harryhausen to do that, but it just everything they did was cutting corners, and it just came off terrible. Everything. Oh and yeah, it, the claymation that, Clash of the Titans was way better. Way better, way better. But you know, it in this case, like just in contrast with the CGI, is is like worlds different. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and story. That's, that's what makes this movie beautiful is because the CGI was thoughtfully done and artistically done, you know, backed with a, a lovely score. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't, and that's the other thing, you can't take out the fact that Doherty and company were fans and they put a lot of Easter eggs in there and they played a lot of homage, and I think that's why Toho really liked it a lot. <clears throat> Even though critics abused it, uh, What's important to me is the fans loved it, and I, I I do hope that it can still make some money before the end of the run. But you know, if it doesn't, it's okay because I'm buying that shit on DVD regardless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right, so I hope you all enjoyed our little Godzilla review. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I teased it for the last couple of weeks, so I'm glad I got my wife to finally check it out and put some input in there. Well, I finally got home. Yeah, I finally got home. I have one track left from you, and it's from a band called Decadent, um, from Sylvania, and uh, their new album, The Nemean Ordeal, or Nemean Ordeal, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but atmospheric black metal, very cool stuff, uh, very good band, and is already going to be one of my favorite albums of the year. Among many others, Devin Townsend, such, uh, uh, Fusion Bomb. I got a big list already growing, so we're only... And it's only June! Yeah, we're not even in July yet, so we haven't even hit the halfway mark. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. But you know, if you keep up with me on Facebook, James Scott Corpru, or even on the Metal Tavern radio page, you'll find me. And I'll be posting the this podcast, which is available for download, as well as listening online. Uh, you can check it out. And here it is with uh, Wanax Eternal. And take care, you all. Make sure you, um, when you uh, post your podcast, you also post on your blog that you posted on your podcast. Yeah, I, I started doing that when she told me. I mean, I, I could just leave it because I did put up there that I'm doing a new podcast. But I'll
find you know, us. Every time you post a new podcast, maybe a new blog post, and say new podcast available here at this link. Okay. And then just say the name of the pot, like, God, big Godzilla review, and then... I wish it showed up on my podcast page, but it doesn't. It does if I go into it for myself, but it won't show up to people without that unless I change the layout. But I like the layout that I have. the bed.